The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Retropop. Retropop. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts, and alongside me is uh, my, my main man, uh, a birthday boy. All right, so let's all give him a warm birthday, you know, you know, hip, hip, hooray. He had a little rough day. Uh, we just talked about it before the show went on air. And um, I want you to make him feel better um, about his birthday. Mr. Johnny Townsend, he is the tails to my son at the Hedgehog. What's going on, dude? How are you? By the power of blast processing, I am on the scene faster than you could ever imagine. That's right. Faster than the others. Thank you, blast processing. A real thing. Or is it? We'll find out on this episode of Retro Pop. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? How are you? I am doing okie dokie, I thinky. Uh yeah. Uh just a little insight. Yesterday, uh we're recording on a Saturday before this gets put out. On Sunday, Friday was my birthday, and I started out my birthday. Uh, you know, the day when after you get out of your twenties and you're in your thirties like I am, uh, they are just counting down to when you're just old, is all it is. And so on top of that, uh the first thing I did was uh try to make myself breakfast and then uh, drop my breakfast in the floor so it was a good start what did the breakfast consist of because this might make me feel a little bit i mean not better um but i just want to be in the moment because you know you and i have a lot of like it's similar interests i'm a big breakfast guy i'm a breakfast for dinner guy stuff like that and i might i might feel a little extra i mean i feel sad for you but i want to feel a little extra sadder for you okay <laughs> what was what what was on this breakfast plate all right so i had uh some some chicken on there i had uh some <laughs> that reminds me of what i did have uh, i wish y'all could see this what matt's doing uh but uh, that does remind me i did have eggs <laughs> over easy actually uh and then they were over on the floor <laughs> <laughs> and a and a nice piece of toast with jelly on it. Oh uh, no! And it was all for naught. Did you make it again? At least, or you just gave up? Uh, I was starving, so I did make me some more. I mean, you know, you're always starving for breakfast. I did uh, eventually make more, but I was very mad in the moment. <laughs> very mad slash upset with myself slash just uh, you know. Anytime, I think anybody can relate to this. Anytime it's your birthday and something just remotely uh, bad or or uh, inconvenient happens, you're always like, "Oh my birthday!" That type of thing. <laughs> and I 100% did that <laughs> every time. I also yeah. know who I am as a person, and um, and this may be a little disgusting, 
But oh, I'm I, here for it. I probably would have eaten it off the floor. All right. See, I have cats and um, touche. I I know that I shouldn't do that. So I don't do that. <laughs> five second rule. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. No. I used not. to do the five second rule, and then I had uh, cats, and I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> that doesn't exist. As no, soon as it's no. Floor, it's done for me. No. But I but I also have a history, Matt, of being very picky when it comes to foods and stuff. Not with uh, just what I eat because I'm pretty open with at least trying new things but uh like for example trevor uh my buddy who i do retro bliss with loves to tease me because one time this is before he got married and he did and i guess this is when he discovered us about me despite us growing up together i went over to his apartment right and he had milk that was uh a day out of date in his refrigerator right just one day out of date and he opened his refrigerator and goes, oh, man, this is one day out of date. And he smells and he goes, oh, that smells good. And it's still good. And he takes his drink of it. And I literally almost vomited. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I okay. just can't do it. <laughs> That's fair. You know what? I respect it. You're cautious. And you know what you want. Uh, you know, if it, if it doesn't tell you it's good, it's not good. I get it. I completely yeah. get it. Yeah. Like that date's on there for a reason in my brain. You know? Right. Right. They wouldn't waste ink or whatever the heck they print on it. Right. If, yeah. You know? wasn't important i get that i yeah. can't tell you how many times i <clears throat> accidentally drank like spoiled milk or <clears throat> expired orange juice yeah. or stuff yeah it's, it's terrible yeah uh yeah i've had one time uh i had uh you know the uh, chef boradie ravioli and i was eating it and i'd eaten like three or four of them and i was like this is just this just doesn't taste right it tastes bland or something something's wrong and, I, and that's because it had been out of date for like three years. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, yeah. speaking. I mean, you also. I mean, you also have this experience. I know we should get to our topic. No, but not. I mean, you I'm also. Like I think you did this too, Matt. Uh, we did this for our love of podcasting and entertaining. Uh, you know, we opened up on Retro Bliss an old pack of ninja turtle cards this is from like the late 80s early 90s that came with a stick of bubble gum yes and we both chewed said bubble gum and it was awful as hard it hurts your teeth yeah it tastes yeah. awful it, it just uh doesn't it's and it, i had that taste in my mouth for like hours afterwards i don't know if you did but i certainly did yeah it sticks with you and no matter what you eat no matter what you wash your mouth out with i 100 it's there yeah, it's it is there. there. Well, speaking of no matter what you wash your mouth out with, we're talking about mm-hmm. Sega today. And um, yeah, that's an A plus transition there. Uh, well, yeah, we're talking about the great Sega uh, Corporation, which is, you know, uh, a lot for myself and Johnny's generation, a a, a major aspect of it. Um, you know, in, in the world of video game production, they're still going. They're still going to this day, not quite like they were in the 90s, but uh, when it came to consoles and it came to, you know, creating uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, they were the, you know, they were the be all end all for a lot of people. And, you know, it's kind of crazy to think back how in the 90s people, you know, people were taking sides, uh, whether it be Sega versus Nintendo. But we're oh, not yeah. we're not talking about Nintendo today. It is all about Sega Corp. Uh, let's head on over to our personal history with Sega. 
And so it was, late in the 20th century, that a pox fell upon the land, a plague of home videos that were limited in intelligence. There was brain drain, and terminal boredom swept the countryside. The maker looked down and was not pleased by what he saw and said, this is not good. And so it was, he brought forth Genesis, a system with twice the power, twice the intelligence, twice the challenge, twice the fun. Only a chosen few were called forth to experience this new dimension of high-definition graphics and studio sound. And the maker saw what he had done and said, Now that, that's not bad. Discover Genesis, and your world will never be the same. All right. So my personal history, actually, my personal history with Sega is that it was probably my first, like, console. And what I mean by that is, like, we owned a Nintendo. We owned a Super Nintendo. Um, you know, I had a PlayStation, you know, in the in the mid to late 90s. But Sega was the very, Sega Genesis. You should be clear about that. Not the Sega Master System or any of the other older ones that they had, but Sega Genesis was the very first console that I really like got to have and play with, you know, frequently and enjoy. Um, now I have so many memories with, with the Sega and, 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 you know, what am I, I mean, who did, if you had a Sega, you were getting a Sonic the Hedgehog game. That was, that was the, you know, be all in that. We never done it. We haven't done a, a Sonic uh, episode yet for this show, uh, but I'm, there's a lot that, that the Sonic the Hedgehog brand means for Sega. Uh, he was the face of, of that company. And, you know, yeah, I had that, you know, that game, all the, all those games, all those Sonic the Hedgehog games. And there were so many other ones there. The Sega sports was a big thing back in the day. Uh, Madden was really, really popular uh, in the early, you know, with the Sega Genesis, the early days of Madden was very popular with the Sega. Um, a lot of good side scrolling uh, superhero games too. At that, which I'm pretty proud of, Maximum Carnage, Separation Anxiety, uh, Captain America and the Avengers, X Men Genesis, X Men Two, Clone Wars, um, but but all in all, just a lot of good memories sitting around. Uh, you know, our, our, the basement TV. That's that's what that was our video game area. The basement TV. We had a nice uh, you know refurbished basement, and you just go pull the Sega out of the little cardboard box that we had and pop in whatever game we wanted. And there were so many to choose from, so many to choose from. And, uh, you know, it it gets a little old sometimes. I know that Sega likes to re-release a lot of their their classics collection on every every single newer console. I don't know which, hit, which has had more re-releases, Sega, Genesis, uh, you know, Greatest Hits, or like Skyrim, or Resident Evil 4. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, do, I, I do appreciate what Sega meant to my childhood. It, it's... It's it's really cool. It it is really cool. Um, you know, to to think back and hey, you want to corner play Sega? You know, all the memories, two two controllers, six button controllers, all the different add ons that they had. Um, yeah, absolutely love what Sega meant to my childhood. How about you, Johnny? Yeah, very similar. Uh, I grew up. Uh, my first console was a Nintendo, but then I mean, like I got that kind of you know, toward the end of its life, right before 
these new systems are coming out, the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis. And I just remember seeing a commercial for Sonic thinking, wow, like my mind was blown by how fast he was moving around, right? Yeah. Like that, like that, like I have to play this. And my parents, awesomely, it's one of my most favorite Christmas gifts I ever got was my Sega Genesis. And it came with Sonic 2, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And uh, to this day, Sonic 2 is in my top 10 favorite games of all time. Adore that game. Everything about that game is fantastic, down to the music. Uh, I will still, uh, you know, uh, dance along to the uh, uh, Mystic Cave level music because oh, yeah. that music is bar none, uh, tip top there. That This company, uh, I was such a Sega, I became a Sega fanboy because of the Genesis on to the fact that uh, I got a Dreamcast day one that it came out. Uh, luckily it came out right when i could have a job you know like i was right, in high right. school so i was able to get a job and i got it opening day uh but yeah the the say i've been on sega since the genesis uh man especially my love of basketball like that's when nba live was good <laughs> was really good uh so uh, i guess i played a lot of nba live on there uh you know it's when they started being able to have uh, we kind of alluded to this before but like you could have you can play full seasons in a basketball for NBA basketball and have every team yeah. and every player. Well, for the most part, except for Jordan. And <laughs> uh, that was just so cool to me. And then on top of that, like I could play, it had a Ninja Turtles beat them up, which I really loved. It had um, a captain. What's that? Do you remember the one that had Captain America and Iron Man? Yep. There was uh, Ca- yeah, Captain America in the, the, yeah, in the Avengers game. Yeah. That one uh, was really good. Terrible, terrible. Uh, audio oh it's so bad yes, yes. but the game Avengers! Is fun. <laughs> it does sound like that but the game itself is fun it's, it's so good it's so good yeah uh, a lot of a lot of beat-em-ups on that system that i just love streets of rage of course uh just so many games that i just adore that just have a special place and honestly if i mean honest probably had a a bit in uh who who i am now right yeah like i like that really started my nerd-like tendencies i guess to just really enjoying these these things like uh, video games which you know back in my day uh wasn't necessarily the coolest thing to the jocks and stuff but and that's despite them i know they all had video game systems which is what's so weird to me but uh but to, one last thing is to kind of touch on the the console wars aspect of it that was very much a thing in my high school in my well, not high school. This was uh, uh, late elementary, middle school era, if I'm thinking right for me. Very much, you were either Nintendo or, or Sega. And I had a Sega, so I guess that's the side of what I sided with. But if I'm being very honest, my cousins all uh, had a Super Nintendo. And every time I went over there, I was playing Mario All-Stars. So, uh, I was very jealous that they had that. So uh, but I was very, very, very happy with my Sega Genesis. And I was ride or die with that thing for until it uh eventually just wouldn't work anymore i had that thing for years that thing lasted a long time it was a durable uh, little sucker way yeah. honestly way more durable than the original nes and oh yeah and superintendent it was just yeah it was just built better i, I yeah. agree and i too also my favorite i have two favorite controllers ever in video games one i think the xbox controller is top notch it's probably my all-time favorite if it's three, my hands perfectly 360 is really good xbox yeah that's what i'm really yeah yep. that's the one i'm referring to because that one just fits my big goofy hands the best uh and then 
followed really closely by one of my all-time favorite controllers is that six-button Sega Genesis controller. I remember getting one because I started out with the three-button one, the original one. And then uh, I remember seeing a six-button one for sale uh, at my local well, my local stores. I was like, I had money for it. I was like, I'm going to get this thing. And that thing, especially with fighter games like Street Fighter and stuff, like my eyes opened wide. It's like, oh, my gosh, these three extra buttons just really <laughs> changed things. It was so cool. Uh, but, yeah, the Sega Sega themselves is such a major part. And I'm so happy that they're still around in some aspect, even though they're just really a publisher now. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm just glad that that name is is still there, even though there was, even though there was a time not too recently where, like you said, they were putting their name on everything, yeah. no matter the quality. Uh, that kind of hurt a little bit, but I think they're coming back around again. Thankfully, they are. I, I actually it was ironic. I think earlier this week I seen an article that they were dropping out of the uh arcade business they were still making arcade machines in japan yeah. from what i understood um so it was a little fitting the time that we uh you know we selected to do this episode but um but you know it, the, you, you see these things on social media right like oh the, you know you can hear this picture and i don't think anybody will ever forget you know if you just see the sega logo you can hear it yeah and it's 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 honestly one of those things no matter who you are whether you play uh, video games to this day or you don't uh, i think a lot of people who don't never even played many video games they were around they were around it but never really played it you still um you, you could still hear that hear that image which is a you know a really cool thing yeah i still remember the commercials right like i remember those commercials uh the constantly saying hey sega does what nintendo don't i remember that yeah <laughs> uh, i remember the ads and the video game magazines i would get man it's just what a time <laughs> It yeah, seriously, seriously was, but um, but yeah, so that's our personal history of the Sega. Everybody, we have a lot to talk about today with the uh, with the 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 history of uh, of Sega. Sixteen bit arcade graphics. Joe Montana free, Pat Riley free, Buster Douglas free, Super Monaco GP free, or Collins free. What Nintendo buy a 16-bit Genesis system between now and October 31st and get an extra game. All right, so there's a lot of backstory here, and um, I don't know if we're gonna get through it all. There's a just a ton of backstory. There's a lot. I mean, the, Sega, you know, their big time period was the late 80s and, and throughout the 90s. That's that's where everybody I think you know, wants to hear us talk and discuss this thing. You but, could uh, almost, you could almost divide it into uh, Sega of Japan's time and Sega of America's time. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. You could. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, let's kick it off with, uh, so let's go back way back in the day, way back in the day. Let's look at the 1930s. All right. Uh, Jewish American businessman Irving Bromberg, who had been a uh, he was big in the coin op distribution industry. Uh, He established the Irving Bromberg Company in New York City in 1931. Uh, His son, Marty, uh, who had changed his last name, Marty, (laughs) uh, changed his last name to Bromley, joined the business after graduating to the future. 
I know. I know. Uh, what a great name. What a great name. Marty. Marty. It rolls off the tongue. Uh, but yeah, so after he graduated high school, he joined the business. And uh, they, they after the uh, World War II, which uh, essentially meant a increase in, you know, in military personnel uh, around the world, they actually decided to get into coin op, um, coin op gaming, essentially coin op machines for uh, amusement in a sense for, uh, for military bases. That was their first business is coin operated stuff. So um so yeah, so, so that was your thing. You know, obviously uh, the world became a lot more militarized in, you know, it, it, after post-World War II and that's what their business aim was. And they ended up changing their, you know, they, they had a couple different name changes, but they ended up changing it to Service Games of Japan uh, by 1953. All right. Uh, there was Service Games of Panama. It was just this, this massive thing and legitimately all that they did was 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 make these coin op games all right so in 1965 that uh that rosen enterprises there was a a merger uh, of sorts and uh they created sega enterprises and this is the beginning of sega's path to um to i guess i'm not gonna say where it is today but where it eventually hit its stride in the 70s and 80s because a lot of people don't realize this either is that sega was not always and i get it you know we we mentioned that nintendo you know wasn't always a video game company but sega wasn't only just a console producer like they didn't just come out of nowhere in the 19 late 1980s or whatever it was in the 90s they you know they, they were producing arcade games this was the beginning of that um they stopped essentially making you know doing just business with military bases and they wanted to become a publicly traded company so um uh, they just wanted to you know they see what their market was and why not bring it to a, a bigger audience right i mean that's yeah. i guess the case in business they tested out with military personnel and it worked it was fine they did pretty good but uh they wanted to move on to bigger and better things and yeah, there was a, you know, just it, this this changing of their business model in a sense. And in 1970, it, by the end of the 1970, they had really found their footing in the arcade game market, which we all know was exploding at this time, right? We have Asteroids. We have uh, Pong. These are all things that are starting to happen, you know, and occur. There's not a whole lot of major arcades like we would see in the 1980s per se. But arcade games are starting to pop up in places where, okay, well, this is becoming a little bit normalized. Um, bars, bars were a big place for, you know, arcade machines to to pop up, but not so much arcade, entire arcade, so to speak. But um, yeah, at the end of 1970, Sega opened a 125 game arcade center in uh, Sapporo, Japan, which is a, uh, it's a, part of of tokyo and uh during that opening they actually announced that they had a partnership with with godzilla which you know which is going to help out some sales um toho films which which produced godzilla um for joint venture of arcades with 70 game arcade open up in nagasaki in january of 71 so um 
Yeah, they were just hitting. They they released a uh, Pong Tron, which was its first video based arcade game. I wonder what that's rip off off of. Um, <laughs> gotta love it. Got the, the do those seventies and eighties were just a sixties like, and well, actually the seventies were pretty lawless. It was like the Wild West when it came to licensing and, and all that oh, yeah. jazz. Uh, and then 1975, Sega purchased a 50% stake in Kingdom of Oz, a company that operated arcades in California shopping malls. So, and they eventually weaseled their way in and took full control by March of 1976 with all arcades becoming Sega centers. So this Kingdom of Oz company essentially ceded its name to Sega and this is how they really got their name. Uh, Sega really established themselves as one of the premier game companies in, in um, you know, arcade producers in America. And they actually followed a lot of, uh, a lot of business models by, well, I wasn't expecting this, Chuck E. Cheese. They set forth that model, um, created by Atari founder Nolan Bushnell. And they created its first, uh, its first family entertainment center called PJ Pizzazz. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> PJ Pizzazz. Yeah, that's a thing. Uh, they established it in West Covina, Covina, California in June of 1980. And um, yeah, Sega was doing well for itself. They didn't have necessarily have the biggest names in video game arcades at the time, um, but they still found their footing. Like Space Invaders hit in 1978 and, and they did really, really well. Um, that's a game by uh, Taito, I believe it's it's pronounced, or Taito. But uh, Sega was still doing really, really well. He had $100 million in, in revenue by 1979, and that's a, that's a big chunk of change. We think yeah. what the, I would love to have $100 million now. I can't imagine what that was like in 1970. You could buy anything. Yeah. Buy anything. It's not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. Uh, but Sega's just in this in the late seventies and early eighties. They're just acquiring all these little companies, um, merging and just trying to really, really get, uh, you know, just just a lot of different assets to, to to make their company as powerful as it possibly can be. Um, Which you know, video game companies do today, right? Uh, right, right now, I mean, right now, Sony and uh, Microsoft are buying companies left and right. So it still happens today. Correct. It, it absolutely does. Um, Sega, I, I mean, I don't know if this is a, I hope I'm not stealing from a did you know here, Johnny, but um, Sega actually introduced the the format, which would later become Pac-Man in one of its video games, uh, a game called Head On, which uh, which which was the first introduction of uh, Eat the Dots gameplay, which was which is pretty cool. Uh, but they also, you know, one thing Sega also did through and, and not just in the 80s. But throughout the '90s and stuff, they always they pushed the bar forward a little bit. Um, you know, they introduced isometric graphics. Uh, they licensed and released Frog. You know, which is a big thing. Zaxxon was was one of these those big games with the isometric graphics. Um, one of their early successes, I guess, was licensing and releasing Frogger for you know for arcades and home ports. It was, uh, you know, Sega did some very smart business moves in the early 1980s. And, um, yeah, they were one of the top five business, or excuse me, arcade game manufacturers. And uh, as we get into the early 80s, when they started going into the home console market, 
The revenue is sitting around $214 million. So not too bad. Uh, but yeah, so Sega was looking at the home console market. They knew this was becoming a thing. Atari had, you know, became a lot more successful than I think people realize, right? You know, at some point, I definitely want to talk about Atari, uh, the video game crash from 1983. This all kind of comes into play here. But um, but Sega wanted to go in a, in, in a newer direction. Of course, they're killing the arcade market, but why not have a Sega console in every single home that you possibly could? Um, and he was looking to do it. He was he was looking uh, Sega. The Sega company was looking to do it, and uh, they started to develop it. The very first Sega console was the SG One Thousand. All right, and uh, it's a pretty cool looking machine, actually. It's uh, it has a little paddle, little well, little joystick, a uh, a rectangular paddle, and the the console actually looks like a. I don't even know what to describe it as. It's very simplistic in nature, but of course it's the 1980s. Of course it was. It's it's very like if you look at it and then look at a an Atari 2600, very similar, just different colors. Correct. Um, but yeah, it looks cool. I a lot of yeah, it's but it just released at a terrible time. It it just released at a horrible time. Um, they released in '82, and of course the video game crash of '83 kind of hit. And Sega took a bit of a hit. In, in fact, all their businesses um, took a hit with that video game crash of, of 1983. Uh, their arcades are falling apart. And, um, yeah, some other stuff started to happen, too. Their Sega centers were all sold up, sold the timeout arcade chain. And, dadgummit, the PJ Pizzazz locations were all closed. Uh, that's the biggest tragedy of all this. <laughs> no more Pizzazz. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was tough, but, um, but yeah, they, they really tried to get behind this, this SG 1000, you know, console. It just, it, it just, it didn't hit, you know, people just didn't trust the video game industry at that time. It's a lot like, um, like VR is finally virtual reality consoles are starting and really hit their stride, but 10, 15 years ago, they really weren't, and people weren't going to invest a whole lot of money yeah. into them. They're way more of a gimmick back then. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Um, that's kind of where the video game industry was at. Like People were like, wow, how could people not trust video games and, and stuff like that? Well, there's a whole episode's worth of story and content for, uh, for that. But, uh, but yeah, they, they just kind of they, – they had to reassess their – their their business model again right and and find out how to be successful they they did try a you know a, a few different things they ended up releasing an sg1002 in in 1984 and it you know it did okay but at this time nintendo was releasing the nintendo entertainment system yeah and it's which literally saved video games it did and 100 percent did but if you were not the Nintendo Entertainment System, you were not in a good place. Correct. A, yeah. A, Atari never recovered, right? Atari never recovered in after the '83 game crash, and a lot of those companies just just folded and went away. Um, so Sega kind of took a backseat. They were trying, you know, to 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 be relevant a little bit, but it just it just was not, you know, did not pan out. 
But fortunately, in the middle of the 80s, after, you know, recovering from this arcade crash, um, or excuse me, the video game crash, arcades became popular, super popular again. All right. So, you know, we, we all talk about arcade culture. You know, literally, if you watch anything that references the 80s now, or you watch an old ladies, you know, an 80s flick that's just about the lifestyles and stuff, there's probably an arcade. Oh, yeah. In, I in mean, Stranger those. Things, right? Like, that's the moment yeah. that just popped in my head. Uh, you know, the, get to the arcade a lot. So, absolutely. Uh, in 1985, they uh, released, and I love these things. I, I maybe not this specific game, but um, you know they, these very interactive um, environments. They released Hang On, which is a motorcycle racing game. Yeah. Um, you know, using like pseudo 3D superscalar graphics is what they called it, and this is how Sega started to kind of build revenue again and find find their footing in the in the video game market by the end of 1987 they had sold over 40,000 arcade machines worldwide so they're getting getting back on track doesn't may not sound like a whole lot but it it actually is and yeah this just really opened the door so in 1988 sega released the masters uh the the master system successor the uh the mega drive uh, starting off in japan and uh, it was, of course, overshadowed by Super Mario Brothers 3, which great game, by the way. Great game. Yeah. One of the top games of all time. But seriously. Yeah. Uh, the, the, this Sega system uh, is one of my favorites just because uh, <laughs> have you ever, man, like I want this as a big poster for my room, but nobody's put it together. But the box art of the games for... <sighs> This system are so god awful that they're amazing. <laughs> As in one of them, and Trevor has this one, so I've seen it in person. One of them, I can't remember the game. I think it's some kind of a karate kung fu type game, but it's literally just a hand. Somebody like cartoon draw drew a foot. <laughs> That's all there is, <laughs> just a foot. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the art is is incredible. The you brought up is, a great point. The art is mwah, chef's kiss. I highly recommend. Uh, that's a great rabbit hole to go down just to just to cover art for these games. They're fantastic. <laughs> it really. I would buy Mega Drive boxes if I could and just have them. Don't yeah. have to have the game in it. Doesn't have to have the game in it. I would just buy the boxes. Yeah, like I said, I just want like a poster, just like with all those, like just all those covers put on it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I am all in on that. Um. But yeah, Sega struggled, man. It was it, it's it's a tough beat. You know, they had these, you know, superior, you know, it, the graphics are a little bit better. They came around like I think 5 or 6 years into the, into the NES's lifetime. But yeah. And by, the, sh- and by that time, the Nintendo had already gotten its claws into that market to the point of where they're so big that when like an older person who may not know all the ins and outs of something and they just want to reference video games they'll say nintendo right like that as it covers all video games right as a reference they'll say oh man what about the nintendo or it's kind of like how uh you know coke did for soda for a long time right yeah absolutely yeah it it was it it had it it essentially had its face and nintendo was the, the face of that that brand yeah, Sega only didn't do too well. 400,000 units in its first year. But keep in mind, though, this is only in Japan where Nintendo is 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 it, it's king. But, I mean, it's king pretty much everywhere. But Sega, you know, was was 
it was the third like third best console in Japan at that time. Super Famicom um, and the NEC's PC Engine were were ahead of it in Japan. Um, Sega wanted to, though to get moving on on, on North America because they they know that that's where there's a lot of money invested in that, and they announced a release date for the system on January 9th, nineteen eighty nine. Um, I actually did not have anybody. This is where things get interesting. Uh, they didn't have a north, you know, any north really a foothold in North America. Like I, I know they had some pretty big, you know, some arcade success, but um, for its consoles, they were pretty much. I, I, how do yeah, I? You got to remember this? this is this is years before they even created Sonic, right? So they didn't even have Sonic. They didn't have kind a, of. Yeah, they didn't have a face. They didn't have a face yeah. of Sega. They didn't. They didn't have an IP that would. Um, you know, like every system that's been successful has had some sort of IP or character that kind of uh, is the face of it. Really helps sell the system. Uh, you know, like uh, you know, obviously Nintendo has Mario. Uh, later, Sega would have Sonic. You know, on down to the ones now like Xbox. Thankfully, they had Halo came out. Yes. You know, uh, for example, and PlayStation's obviously had uh, God of War or whatever, whichever ones you want to use for that. So you you need these games that kind of become uh like system sellers uh for you and during this time sega didn't really have anything like that no. nothing especially not compared to what nintendo had right not even close and, and nintendo was very diverse at this point with their feature characters right you have mario there's donkey kong there's kirby kirby there's link for you link, know, legend yep, of zelda yep. there's metroid Sega didn't have anything. It's hard to compete with that. It really, truly is. But that's why Nintendo's been as successful as it is. But, yeah, so Sega didn't even have, though, the thing with this is they didn't have any organization for its consoles for releasing in North America. No marketing team. None of that on top of it. So they were, there is a pretty much like, okay, we'll see how it goes type of thing. Um but they did actually. They they did accrue some uh, some important people. So, Michael Katz, or excuse me, Katz, was a former Atari executive. Kind of seen the writing on the wall with Atari and what it was becoming. And he created this two step approach to getting Sega to to fly off the shelves in North America. First and foremost, um, one of the well, it's an aspect of it, uh, renaming this this thing giving it a sweet name, all right? The this, this Sega Mega Drive. It's kind of a cool name, but it's not like, you think back to the 80s, like late 80s, and that, that's not hip, right? That's not super cool. Let's and it sounds it, way more like um, like, a, like a computer, right? It sounds way more correct. like something for a computer. Correct. Uh, they renamed it the Sega Genesis for North American releases. All right, so that's 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 one of the aspects of it. Um, it, it that wasn't necessarily a part of the two-part approach, but they, they they knew that you needed something flashy to be successful in America. Um, they straight up this this Michael Katz guy, his he wanted Sega to attack Nintendo, essentially, right? Attack their brand, attack their their image. He wanted hit them head on and show off that you know this is a lot more arcade accurate, right? The graphics are better. The sound is better. The playability is better. If you kind of really think back to it, 
the Nintendo home consoles really have a lot of ports. I mean, maybe some, right? I'm sure there's a, there's definitely a handful. I don't want to discredit it, but as far as like perfect arcade ports, I really don't know off the top of my head. You, maybe you can correct me on that. Uh, I'm going to talk about it in the did you knows. Okay, I'll leave that be then. Um, but but yeah, you can have these better arcade like experiences on the Genesis, and he create helped create the 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 slogan Genesis does when Nintendo don't. That's right. So, um, so Nintendo did own the console rights to a lot of arcade games, but again, it's just what the, the playability wasn't like 100 percent there. Um, the, the replication factor wasn't hundred percent there. So what Sega liked wanted to do was they, they hit celebrities. All right. That's why this, the Sega sports series came in. They got guys like Joe Montana and, you know, Deion Sanders eventually. And, and some of these other big time athletes, celebrities, Michael Jackson, moonwalker. All right. <laughs> you know, that was a big facet of it. This was, it, it made the Sega it made the Sega cool. Yeah, Michael uh, Jordan had his own game. That's right. Uh, something the the Windy City, the the yep. adventure game. <laughs> yeah, it's not at all. It's not even a basketball game. No, Though he does have a basketball, and there you can slam dunk in it, but it's not a basketball <laughs> game. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was something. But regardless, it still had a tough time, uh, kind of finding its footing, and it only sold five hundred thousand units in its first year in America. But then comes everybody's favorite hedgehog. So. They'd seen what Nintendo was doing. They'd seen that Nintendo had a mascot in Mario. And, of course, the other ones. So they did, held a contest. He, um, they wanted you know, to figure out a company mascot. And, yeah, they had a company-wide contest. And a character, uh, uh, a guy by the name of Nyoto. Uh, again, we, this goes back to all the way to episode one. We are terrible at pronunciation. Naoto Oshima designed a teal hedgehog with red shoes and the character won the contest, even though there was some hesitancy, like, oh, wow, this isn't going to do well in, in anywhere. Um, but they did some tests and stuff and, and people received it well. And they renamed it uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. And it became one, obviously one of the best selling video game franchises of all time. And that changed everything. For Sega, you one need th- you need one big thing to really open the door for you is what yeah. you need. You need one good idea. You need one, especially in the video game industry, if you want your system to make any headway. And that's what they finally got because they were kind of before this, they were just swimming to keep their head above the water, right? And then suddenly, uh, out of nowhere, <laughs> uh, like he's really fast or something, here comes this hedgehog. <laughs> And really just changed the outlook of the company. And man, because I tell you what, I mean, just I adore and love Mario. Uh, some of my favorite games are Mario games. Mario 3, one of my all-time favorite games as well. But there's just something about this hedgehog and, and his buddy Tails that I just absolutely love and adore. And uh, man, and I wasn't the only one, but he just seemed, especially when you're a kid during this era, like, he just seems so cool, right? Like he's... uh He's so he's fast. You know, Mario wasn't fast, right? I mean, he could run, but he wasn't he wasn't Sonic fast. No, no, not even close. And he just like 
he didn't look cool. Like, you know what I mean? We, we like value Mario now, but yeah, you know, Mario, it, Mario is literally a, a pudgy guy with a mustache and a hat. Right. And wait, don't get me you, wrong. You break it down relate, fair, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I relate so much more to him now <laughs> than I ever have before. Uh, but, uh, you know, that Sonic was just like just the opposite of that. He was fast. He was quick. Uh, he would always say, you know, the cool things. And the, he was always, uh, he just felt like he, he did more action type stuff, right? Yeah, he did. I mean, if you if you put Sonic and Mario in front of people who've never played a video game before, which one are you, you're probably going to be more keen based on look, based on design, you're going to be more keen to select Sonic. And want to try that thing. Um, and listen, they were absolutely brilliant with the marketing of this. So the original pack-in game for the Sega Genesis was Altered Beast. Right. All right, which is not a bad game. Like, I'm not taking anything away from it. So it's, it's, it's actually a really game. good game. It's very good, so. but it's no Sonic. Not even close. They replaced that pack-in game um, with Sonic the Hedgehog. And it unbelievable. Like, it was night and day different for Sega, yeah, like a sonic boom. <laughs> <laughs> this it was absolutely insane. By the by, nineteen ninety two, so January nineteen ninety two, Sega had sixty five percent of the sixteen bit console market. I know that's a little bit of Matt stats numbers right there. But this is the first time that Nintendo was not leading uh, the video game market since December this of nineteen eighty five. This is the equivalent of, and this is even nerdier. This is the equivalent of. WCW taking over WWF 83 right? weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, that, that right. We, I think comfortably in, in society, we all go to the, the name brand thing, right? It's maybe not. Yeah. So what's, what's efficient or what's really good, but we go with name value and Nintendo was name value at that time. Um, I do have my own opinions on that. Uh, I guess, <laughs> I, I guess I could say it now. It's not really a stat or a fact or anything, but you know, Sega did go after a very older, <laughs> a little bit older and aged console, yes. um, which definitely helped you know turn the tide. But they did unleash the Super Nintendo, and that was the end. But they, they did, um, <laughs> they did target more of like an older uh, kid to teen to young adult. That's kind of where they were trying to hit. I mean, it, just look at. Uh, you know, and Nintendo was famously uh, trying to keep a family-friendly thing. I mean, just look at the release of Mortal Kombat, which we talked about before, yeah. right? Just how different they were. Like, the reason you got the Genesis version was because it was more like Mortal Kombat because there was blood and gore and stuff, and that just wasn't on the Super Nintendo version. Right. That was a big, big, big plus for, uh, you know, for the Sega Genesis was – that you'd have that, you know, the arcade perfect version of, of that game, essentially, when it came to to that, because that was a big deal. But um, but yeah, once Sonic got packed in with the with the Genesis, it was it was um, a huge turning of the tide. And of course, like I said, some of these sports personalities, John Madden football uh, arrived for the end of 1990, which is John Madden, a big name guy. I want to play his game. And of course, John Madden, a little side tidbit. He was the very first guy to have. Full eleven on he he said he would not put his name on it unless there was full eleven on eleven football and he was one of the first to do it. Um, so that's a big that's a big plus for for Sega at that time. But Sega did I mean there's a lot of issues too. They had a lot to uh, to overcome. There's a lot of big time realtor uh, retail stores, excuse me, who would not carry them because Nintendo 
Um, so this, I mean, this was nasty. This is a very, na- this video game console war, people like to, oh, I don't want to talk console wars. This is a big thing. Yeah. A lot of companies did not want to carry the Sega Genesis in their stores. Yeah, this is, uh, this is in my Digi Knows, but we'll go ahead and do it now. Um, yeah, uh, Nintendo felt so threatened by Sega, and this is how well Sega was starting to do. Yeah. That Nintendo knew that they had a big uh, sharehold into stores, like your big stores, like your Walmarts and such. And uh, so they threw their own weight around a lot. They would do us a lot, not just with Sega, but they would do us a lot. But they would literally tell a store, hey, if you sell a Sega or Sega Genesis, we're taking all our stuff out of your store. Yeah. And what are you going to do? You know? Right. And, and, you know, it's maybe not a good... I mean, retrospectively, think about that. It's like, oh, well, you're you're just taking away options for people to buy your stuff. Well, but. Nintendo has a history of creating their own uh, other companies that come out to go get some their own competition. Yeah. someday we <laughs> I mean, will. Yeah, someday Sony we will comes talk later. PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, we we will talk about PlayStation. And uh, even before, if you, I, I hope I'm not getting ahead of you. No, but even even here, you know, Sega actually would do the same thing uh, because right before Nintendo comes out with the 64 that the the technology they used to make the 64 they went to, that people went to sega of america first yeah and sega of america was like oh this is so cool we want to do this but they can't do anything without sega of japan's approval and sega of japan said no nah, we don't think that's a good idea no. and that's... guess what nintendo was like <laughs> bring it over here and the nintendo 64 was born yeah yeah, that the, the original Sony PlayStation with disc based format, yep. you know, Sony was rejected and they ended up creating PlayStation, which, you know, took them both over. But, uh, but yeah, so it was kind of fun. Like Sega had to get creative when it came to advertising now. So you're not only just trying to, trying to, you know, get your name and brand out there, but man, there's a lot of, you got to do a lot of interesting stuff. So here, here's, here's another example. So we mentioned that Walmart was uh, not going to sell the Sega Genesis. Right. Well, Sega decided to advertise heavily in Bentonville, Arkansas, where Walmart's home office is located. This and is just use, smart. Oh, it's so good. I, I love it. I love it. Renting billboards, radio advertisements. They put it on sports stadiums and they rented a store in a local mall. And eventually Walmart's like, OK, <laughs> I guess we'll do this. And they did. And Walmart elected to choose uh, to choose and sell uh, the Sega Genesis and but Walmart to- is so big that Nintendo I can't really say anything that's the one company that's probably so big that they can't be threatened by Nintendo right right uh, I mean because they sell everything and they absolutely. And, uh, highly I highly recommend it was a book first I haven't read the book but I've heard nothing but great things about the book uh, called the great console wars it's really good but it's also a documentary uh, that they made from the book. I highly, at the very least, watch that documentary if you love this stuff. It is fascinating the back and forth between these two companies. Right. It's 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 really cool. It's a fun chess match, no doubt. But um, yeah, Sega did well. They outsold the Nintendo four Christmas seasons in a row, which is a big big deal. Eighty three weeks. Eighty three weeks. And the one of the pluses was Genesis had a lower price point and a much bigger library of games. Uh, and if you know, and this is going head to head against the Super Nintendo when it first came out, too. Because Super Nintendo, you know, when you're first putting out a console, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps, yeah. Um, into getting the quality of games out there, and Sega just hit it at the right time. Um, and yeah, they did, they did pretty well for themselves. Uh, so 
here's another cool thing too, which is maybe something we can talk about someday is the ESRB. Um, uh, yes. But there was a congressional hearings in 1993 about the, qual- you know, video games, uh, the violence know, and the violence. Yes. It's yeah. Violence and stuff that, you know, uh, the government wanted to kind of intervene in, and, you know, the stuff that the content that kids, you know, kids love video games. And which governments had a history of doing that. I mean, they even famously did it with comic books one time, which something we probably should cover at some point on this show because it's I such think, a big deal. I they did the same thing with movies, and now they're doing it with video right? games. Right. FCC, I think it's a, it's a TV. That's the TV one, right? Television. Yeah. They, they yeah. control that. And they wanted to get their, you know, foothold in video games. They said, hey, you know, Sega and Nintendo, you guys have to come together and create some kind of rating system or something like that, or the government's got to intervene. But here's the thing. Sega always, I'm not going to say always, but they had their own version of that. They had their own rating system, and they try to come, you know, they, they, obviously the video game industry came together and, and worked it out to the rating system that we have today, but um, Sega had a near flawless one way, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s, and uh Nintendo did not want to conform to it. They did not want to just fought. They just didn't want to be like, oh, it's Sega. You know, they were like, oh, it's Sega's. We're not, we don't like that. We don't like, like to do that. But they eventually, you know, they, they eventually came together to, to kind of release that, which was a, um, which was a big deal. Uh, but Sega, you know, nevertheless, Sega stayed competitive. They could stay competitive. Um, you know, throughout this early 90s run that they had, you know, they're competing with the Game Boy. They released the Game Gear. They add, do all these cool add-ons like the Sega CD and stuff. And, you know, they're still doing well for themselves. They're dominating the, the major console market. But as far as like the, the second or the handhelds, they're doing well. But they're not beating out the Game Boy uh, in that regard. But um, as we get to the mid and late 90s, we'll speed this up a little bit. You know, they they they, they developed some, some con- you know, they, they were doing a little bit better in the arcade market. But at pretty much consoles after the Genesis were not all that great. Um, it didn't pan out so well. They did the Sega Saturn. Um, I know there was plans for the Sega Neptune. There was a Sega 32X. I think that was an add-on, actually, for the Sega Genesis. But, um, yeah, they they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Uh, they would come up with an idea like the Sega 32X or the Sega CD, and then... Uh, they wouldn't support it for very long for their next before they had their next idea. Right. And they did that a couple of times. So like these, they wouldn't give these things time to breathe and to really pan out to be anything before uh, they're like, Oh, we're going to move on from that and put out the next thing. Uh, so they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. It was almost like they were like bridge attachments. And what I mean by that is, yeah. okay. So Nintendo went from in the duration of the Genesis, Nintendo went from the NES to the super Nintendo to the N64, while Sega rode the coattails of the Genesis for a long time yeah, uh, before they stopped supporting it. But they added on these little bridge things, like I said, again, the 32X, the Sega CD. There might have been one or two others in there. You know, adding the six-button controller, stuff like that, to add a little bit life lifetime to it. But it just, it was not the same. And they lost their ass. I know we, oh, we, we we swear on the show occasionally. They lost their ass <laughs> on the Sega Saturn. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was ass, bad. ass, <laughs> yes. Um, they dropped 
so we're not going to go too much too far in the Sega Saturn, but it was just just no, it was bad. It was terrible, yeah. which it, is really sad because honestly, there's some fun games on that system. There really are. are. are but there? It, yeah, there really are. It I, just, never, I never played one. Well, I was lucky enough that Trevor had one, so uh, I'd go over his house and play it all the time. There's some really fun games on there that just just because it was it came out and then they just stopped supporting it pretty quickly in i can't remember how many games actually officially released here for it uh but it's way lower than you would think uh so now if you want to play them now they're very it's getting expensive yeah yeah that's fun and i'll just emulate oh wait that's illegal um you'll just does that you'll just yeah (laughs) um but know this all right the sega saturn was a We'll call it the second to last nail in the in the arcade or the home console uh, coffin for Sega. They lost yeah. a ton of money, as we said, uh, a f- over a fifty percent, fifty four point eight percent decline in consumer product sales. All right, that's tough. Uh, which is roughly uh, the Sega lost uh, about three hundred twenty seven point eight million dollars in, yeah. In, in money uh, from the, from the Sega Saturn. So they had their last ditch effort really is to put the Sega Dreamcast out. All right. And honestly, the, the thing with Sega Dreamcast, I think it was ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time. And I didn't play one until a few years ago. I actually bought one to auction off my stag party and I played it. And I'm like, wow, this thing's actually really cool. It right? is amazing. I had is- one. Uh, I loved mine. Uh, it would you could put out a game in the arcade, and then almost a pitch perfect port uh, would come from it, and you could play on that system. Uh, it was well ahead of its time. I mean, I'll talk about this more in my Did You Knows, but uh, I mean, even with the online stuff, uh, they were way ahead of their time. Uh, this uh, the Dreamcast. I think it's just now really starting to come back around. Yeah. But people are talking about, hey, I really would like to play some Dreamcast games again, but. Oh my gosh, that library Dreamcast games, they had some bangers, man, as the kids say today. <laughs> I love that system. That's when uh, NBA 2K got started, the very first one. I, I've been day one with 2K because it came on the Sega Dreamcast, and I had a Dreamcast. So I was like, okay, I'll get this game. And man, oh gosh, uh, what a system. I have such fun memories of this of the Dreamcast. I really miss mine. Yeah, I definitely want to find one again. I think that's a, that's, that's a goal of mine is... I love the 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 little the, the turn on like screen and, and noise. Yeah. It's it sounds like really like high definition y. Uh if that's not a word, but you know, it, it sounds like it. really it sounds really cool. <laughs> but um but yeah, so the they developed the Sega Jet or excuse me, the Sega Dreamcast. November twenty seventh, nineteen ninety eight, it releases in Japan and um the entire stock sold out by the end of the day, which is that's pretty cool. That's not That's a bad start. Yeah. Uh, only one of the, the 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 opening day games, launch games, excuse me, did really well, which is Virtual Fighter 3, which is one of the most successful arcade games that Sega ever made. Um, did really well. The uh, the goal was, of course, 1 million Dreamcast units in Japan by February of 99, but uh, a little bit less than 900,000 were sold. And it made it a little, you know, it, it was a little tough. It could just it just couldn't find its footing. Sony was killing at the time. Sony had the CD player and I know, well, the N64 was around at that time. Um, 
doing, you know, it, the games were just a lot better, but um, they went back to, all right, let's see what North America can do for us. Uh, the Western launch. And uh, they released it at $199, uh, 9999. That was yep. the marketing uh, slogan, 9999 for $199. And they had 18 launch games uh, with it. Of course, Sonic was the big one. Sonic Adventure yep. was one of the big ones that they, they wanted to. Great game. That's the one that I got, of course. Love that game. Yeah, it, it's definitely a fun one. It's definitely a fun one. I I do want to have a conversation. You know, we'll do it in our, in our last segment about what Sonic, you know, did and didn't do for Sega. I do want to have that conversation <laughs> with you. Um, but they, they they set these these big time records, and um, it was it in two weeks. The Dreamcast sold five hundred thousand units in, in the United States, and they actually started to gain a little bit of footing back. All right, Christmas time they held thirty one percent of the North American video game market share, which you got to think of the time, right? Sony's big, PS1, and 64 still doing pretty yeah, well. That's pretty good. That's a nice bounce back. Um, and it dropped off. <laughs> uh, it, stuff started to drop off. The, the launch was successful, but it, it just could not keep up with what PlayStation and, and what PlayStation was doing at the time. It was so far advanced. And... Um, yeah, eventually, not too long after that, they decided, you know, they had some great, of course, great games, the 2K series, as we mentioned, and, and whatnot, but they, they just lost so much. Sony was ahead, Nintendo was ahead, and they eventually decided to abandon the home console market, right? If, if this thing, if the Dreamcast waits maybe a year or two to release, I think we're still talking about Sega as a as a cons- uh, console developer to this day. Um. A lot of what ifs, right? Yeah. A lot of what ifs. A lot of what ifs. But they went to third party development. And essentially, um, what they did was they developed games for for Nintendo, for PlayStation. Mm -hmm. And their absence as well opened the door for Microsoft to slide in and create the Xbox brand. You know, which you know, man, can you imagine four big time consoles going head to head? Xbox, you know. Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony, and, and Sega. And at first, very brief amount of time, that was a thing, but um, not quite long enough. But um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we are today. That's where Sega's doing. They, they re-release a lot of their older games. They develop a lot of Sonic games for the other consoles. It's, it's kind of been their... Um, kind of been their thing. They they pop up every now and then. I know so- there's still Sonic games released to this day. They do the Sonic and Mario at the Olympic Games, uh, which are a lot of fun. Yeah, but- Sonic pops up a lot on a lot of uh, uh like uh, Nintendo things now. So they do. He does. So yeah, Sonic is. Uh, I I think he's had a couple because I had the Sega or the Sonic collection for PS2. But I just feel he's more of a Nintendo character now. Super Smash Brothers appearances and yeah, and all that stuff. But um, but all right, that is, I mean that's it for the really the history of Sega and, and kind of what they're up to. Let's head on over to Matt's stats. 
Gotta go. Hey, guy, you're the first serious gamer I've seen all morning. Check this out. Brand new 16-bit Super Nintendo with Super Mario World. Wow! What's this one? Oh, this is a Sonic the Hedgehog from Sega Genesis. Hey, look at these radical colors, huh? Wow, Sonic's fast, too. No, over here. I like Genesis, and it costs a lot less. We kid, that game I'll there. take Sonic and Genesis. <laughs> I knew that. Sonic the Hedgehog. More action, more speed. Sega Genesis, it's a whole lot more for less. All right, listeners. So let's start off with the hardware sales. All right. Let's start off with the hardware sales for the uh for Sega and what they did. Um of course the Mega Drive Sega Genesis was the uh was the best release that they had by a long shot. So um the Mega Drive Genesis on its own 43 million units sold. If you include the add-on sales, all right, so with the Sega CD, with the 32X Enhancer, it's in about 50 million units sold. After that, it's a huge drop-off. So the SG-1000, which was uh, released in 1983, we did mention the series, excuse me, um, SG-1000 series, which was one of their earliest console releases, uh, 22 million units. The Sega Master System, released in 1985, did 22 mil. Uh, the Sega Saturn did 17 million, released in 1994. I couldn't believe that Dreamcast was this low, though. I was a little surprised about that. I'm not going to lie. Um, Sega Dreamcast did 11 million units sold. Yeah, that feels low. Yeah. It's, I was a little surprised by that. Um, the Sega CD independently, 6 million. Uh, Sega Pico, or Pico. What's the, what's the phrasing for that? It's a, it's a Pico. It's, Pico. it's a kid's computer console. Did three point four and the uh, excuse me and the OG SG one thousand. If I if I understand this correctly, did about two million units. So okay, so the SG one thousand series combined at twenty two million because there was a couple of guess SG one thousands, but the original SG one thousand did two. So. Uh, when it comes to handhelds, the Sega Game Gear in 1990, 11, minute, uh, 11 million units sold. This is a separate kind of ranking system. So uh, about tied with the Dreamcast and the Sega Nomad, which I completely forgot about. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, only did 1 million units sold. So uh, so as far as gaming uh, sales go, so game sales, so software, uh, the actual video games, uh, the Sega Genesis did had 576.16 million video games sold for that console. Sega Master System in second with 422.47. All right, those are the two big ones. Sega Saturn had 150 million video game units sold, uh, and of course the franchises. All right, do you, do you want to take a do you want to take a guess as who was the number one selling <laughs> franchise? Toss this out there. I'm going to assume. Oh man, what could it be? Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, by by three hundred and thirty five million dollars. Yeah, um, yeah, three hundred sixty. I mean, he's million. getting movies. He's to this day, he's getting movies made of him. So yeah, the, then, that first Sonic movie was really good too. I, I can't it, wait yeah. for the second one. Yeah, very very excited for it. Um, yeah, Sonic three hundred sixty million software sales. Puyo Puyo was in second, twenty five million. Frogger in third, thir- uh, twenty million. Total War in fourth, 20 million. Um, number five, Megami Tensai. I'm not super familiar with that franchise at all. 15.7 million. Warhammer, 
and six, 13 million. The Yakuza games, 10.5 million units. Number eight, uh, Company of Heroes, 9 million. Number nine, Football Manager, 7 million. Number 10, Virtua Fighter, which was one of the, I think it was the first 3D fighter. So it, it had a yeah. really, it was a really big deal back in the early 90s, um, but really fell off. 5.4 million um, units. Uh, this had Suni Miku, 5.4 million. Sakura Wars, 4.5 million. Etrian Odyssey, 1.8 million. So, uh, and as far as arcade sales go, the Sega model was the biggest one. Um, which was, I'm not, I don't fully understand the Sega, the concept of the Sega model, but what, what I'm gathering is that it was just, um, actually, I, I really have no grasp of what it is. Here's Sega model. I try to read up on it and it's just a, I get a bunch of different things, but it was basically them, their advancement into three-dimensional graphics. That's, that's pretty much what I've gathered. Um, Virtual Fighter is their second best arcade sale. Third is Star Horse. Fourth is Print Club. Five is UFO Catcher. Six is Outrun. And seven, Sega Network, Mahjong. <laughs> Doing pretty well for those old grandmas playing Sega Genesis arcade <laughs> over the network. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, Son- it's, it's, it was all about just all about Sonic. Um do you mind if I read off the, some of the specific game ones? I'll do like the top 20. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So the original Sonic the Hedgehog, and of course it's a pack and tile, so it definitely helps the sales. Uh, f- about 44 million. The second all-time best-selling video specific video game from the Sega is Frogger. 20 plus mil. Third is Sonic Dash, which I think that's a I is that an iOS game? It might be an iOS game. I'm not, I should probably click on that. No, it is not. It was released in 1991. I don't. I don't remember Sonic Dash. That's it. I do. I don't. I can't remember what it was for though. I don't remember that name. Uh, number four was Sonic Two, 15 million. Number five, Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. It does count towards uh, Sonic's tally. Number six, Sonic Three and Knuckles. Number seven, Sonic Jump. Number eight, Mario and Sonic at the Winter Olympic Games. Number nine. Oh man, more Sonic. Sonic Adventure. Um, <laughs> number 10, Disney's Aladdin. Number 11, Sonic Generations. Apparently, the, the, the Sega Genesis version of that Aladdin game is a lot better than the than It one. is. It is. I played both um, for whatever reason. And this is honestly, it's usually not this way. It's usually the other way around. But uh, for the Aladdin, for whatever reason, the Aladdin on the Genesis, I felt was way better. I have, I have heard that before. Um, yeah, 11 was Sonic Generations. Number 12 is Mario and Sonic at the London 2012 Olympic Games. 13 is Empire Total War. 14 is Sonic Adventure 2. 15 is Sonic Mega Collection. 16 is Persona 5. Number 17, my one of my favorite football games of all time, ESPN NFL 2K5. It is so good. I uh, love those 2K football games, by the way. They're so I, I appreciate Madden, but I appreciate what NFL 2K brought to the game, to the table. Yeah. Um, 19 is company of heroes. And the number 20 game is the first is the uh, Iron Man game from the first movie. Oh, well, wow. I remember so, that one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could go on forever as far as statistics go. They Sega did really well for itself in its time span and it continues to do well for itself, despite it not being in the consoles, um, the console market, but it does well for itself. 
Let's head on over to Johnny's Did You Know? This is the day you have trained for, the day you have studied for. Utilize your superior skills, your superior intelligence. Sit down, Rodent! Oh, you were one. Don't make me hurt you. Learn to defeat your ruthless enemy, Steve of Hackensack. Ryan, you're gonna get root. Shut up, quadruped. All right, some of these we sort of kind of touched on, but I might go into a little bit more detail here. Um, well, of course, uh, obviously, Sonic was Sega's major mascot. He wasn't their first attempt at having one. They knew they needed a character. Uh, There's a little character called Alex Kidd that they tried to have their, as their first mascot. Uh, a lot of people love Alex Kidd. We've covered one of his games on our uh, on Retro Bliss before. Um, he's just not as cool as Sonic. I mean, not even, not even close. It's not even close. Uh, the games are okay, actually. They're they're fine, but they're no Sonic. Was blast processing real, or was that just a term they used to sell their games? You know, they were trying to say that Genesis did what Nintendo don't, of course, and one of those reasons was because of blast processing. Uh, technically, on a technical level, while Super Nintendo did have better music and uh, a couple of the things they did better than the Genesis, the Genesis itself was faster the system itself was faster uh and it actually was a little smoother uh than the uh, than the super nintendo uh one of the reasons that really helped sega compete in the beginning wasn't just because of sonic obviously he was a major help but also when it came to third-party developers yeah uh they were they would offer much much better and much much more fair deals to them Nintendo had a history of being very harsh, very controlling over anything a third-party uh, developer would want to try to put out on their system, and uh, Sega was much more open to working with them. Uh, Sega was a pioneer in online gaming. I sort of touched on that already with the uh, with the Dreamcast, but even before then, Matt, in the year of 1990. In Japan, they actually released a modem for the Genesis, which blew my mind. <laughs> my head just exploded a little bit, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sega of Japan and Sega of America were almost always at odds with each other, and this is because uh, Sega of Japan would want to take more traditional routes when it came to trying to sell or, or stuff like that, and Sega of America was like, we got to go for the jugular. Uh, and that's kind of where they would meet at an impasse. And ultimately, that would lead to their downfall because uh, Sega of Japan uh, got to where they just wouldn't listen to Sega of America. And, uh, you know, uh, for better or for worse, uh, what happened to Sega happened to Sega. <laughs> uh, sometimes you do got to go for the jugular, even if it doesn't feel fair or whatever. Because guess what? That's what Nintendo's doing. True. Uh, and, you know, because, we, I mean, heck, we talked about it. In the history of it, Nintendo was literally threatening to take their their stuff off of shelves just for a, a store selling Sega stuff. Uh, if that's not going for the juggler, I don't know what it is. During the Sega Genesis era, where most of your games were that came out new were sixty bucks, right? Uh, that was mostly the case, except for a little game called Fantasy. Uh, I can't even say it. Fantasy Star Two. Have you been drinking? And- <laughs> I don't know. I think I need to. Uh, <laughs> Fantasy Star 2 
and Virtual Racer uh, were two different games that were actually $100 each when they came out. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's that's wild. like video games now released for like sixty bucks, but man, they were they did not care. People, I know Nintendo like they were releasing like hundred dollar games at some points too. Like it's it's pretty crazy. I remember when these new systems were coming out, like the PS Five and the new Xbox, and they were saying we're going to make the game seventy bucks, and people were like in an uproar yeah. <laughs> for that ten dollar race. <laughs> yeah, then we we got them with DLC. That's how they got. Yeah. Uh, we kind of touched on this, but the Sega Genesis was actually the first console to actually have the rating system on their games. They're the first ones to actually physically put them on there. And worldwide, the great console race was actually much closer than people realize. In fact, in a lot of other countries, Genesis won. Yeah, uh, They actually outsold Nintendo in quite a few of them. Uh, so the actual worldwide totals are way closer than you would believe. And uh, on top of this, even to this day in Brazil, famously, the Genesis has like its second life going on in Brazil right now. Yeah. It's very popular there. They're actually still making games for it there in Brazil. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, but that's your Sega. Did you know? Let's move on to where Sega stands in pop culture today. Well, I mean, obviously, we, we, we've we talked about where, you know, we're, we're Sega Sands to this day. Um, they're still alive and active. You know, they're, they're, you know, they just shut down their arcade market in Japan. It's, you know, it is what it is. Times are tough. People aren't really going out to arcades anymore in this COVID era. I'm sure that didn't help things either. But, uh, you know, there's a whole generation. Even like my little brother who did not grow up with a Sega Genesis knows about Sega played Sonic the Hedgehog. These are the things that are immortalized. And these movies, I'm like, I'm glad that they're moving in that direction. These movies are helping keep Sega's name alive. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, how, how well Sega's uh, is still, you know, to this day, even though their, their company may seem smaller and not as much in the forefront as it used to be, it's still pretty damn good at what it does. Oh yeah, and you know they're gonna find ways to survive. I can't see them being like completely like that's one thing people like they were never like acquired like they never like bought out. It's not like Nintendo um, beat them up like WWE beat up WCW and just bought them out. It's literally just Sega's just doing their own thing. They 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 condensed they um, just reevaluated their business model, which they had been kind of doing their entire you know rise up to the video game market 
Um, I do want to say this. So this is the one thing I did want to bring up. Um, you know, I think so- I love Sonic, but I think Sonic did some harm to Sega. Maybe you agree with me. Maybe you don't. And what I mean by this, um, when it came to like Nintendo and their business model wasn't perfect either, right? Mario was the face. There's no doubt about it, but it was spread out. It was distributed between those names that we said earlier, the Donkey Kongs, Legend of Zeldas, Metroids, Kirby, um, and of course, Pokemon. But with Sega, it was just, it was Sonic, Sonic, Sonic Racing. Oh, let's put Sonic in a pinball game. Oh man, our first big time 3D game. Let's put Sonic in that too. Uh, I and I I feel like maybe th- like a burnout from Sonic the Hedgehog occurred, and I think that might be where it hurt Sega in the long run. Well, especially when you get into the 3D era, where a lot of those uh, Sonic games were less than on par. Honestly, they just weren't as good. Some of them were really buggy. Uh, yeah. Some of them weren't just weren't good. Uh, yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. <clears throat> I think. I think what you're leading to is, is correct. It's probably a part of Sega's downfall from where they were is yeah, they got Sonic, but Nintendo, yeah, they had Mario, but they didn't just rely on Mario. Uh, they had these other franchises. They had link for crown out loud, right? right. Like they had other ones where uh, you didn't just have one face. Like you can say, Hey, uh, sure. we got Mario three coming out this year, but guess what? Here is the legend of Zelda coming out. Right. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, while Sega did have some other games, I think Streets of Rage is the first one that pops in my head. That was a you know a franchise that was just theirs, but it wasn't like they. It felt like they really were pushing it near as much as they did Sonic, and I think that definitely hurt them in the long run. Now, uh, also at the same time, though, I do think that Sonic is the main reason why we still have Sega today. So at the same time, while he was part of their downfall, I agree with you. He also saved them right. <laughs> at the same time. So it's kind of weird. Uh, like one of my favorite games of recent was the was when they released that new Sonic game that was 2D not too long ago, a couple of years back. Oh, I, Sonic Mania? Was it Sonic yes, Mania? Yes, yes, yes. I really love that one. I thought I it was very, Switch, very good. I think Switch. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, so, uh, so they're still putting out some really good Sonic games. Uh, but yeah, I know what you're saying. It's 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 very it's very weird like it's, uh it's, it's kind of like double-edged sword i think is the yeah. the, the phrase the phrase that they use yeah it's kind of like when you're in a relationship uh and at first it's really awesome but then like you've been together for a while then it gets uh, less than awesome and then uh it gets awesome again right it, it, that happens that's just relationships does it uh does it? well sometimes it just gets bad and it gets and it just stays bad uh, i'm saying this as a single man so what do i know uh, but uh, that's, I agree with you though, as long as Sonic's around and they're still putting out, I mean, a movie's coming out this year uh, of Sonic that I'm very much looking forward to. I'm happy to have some Tails. Uh, Tails is oh. one of my favorite video game characters ever. And Knuckles, man. Like, come yeah. on. And, and we're getting Jim Carrey back. Uh, yes. Endless, endless credit. Jim Carrey plays that role so good. I'm yes. glad to see Jim Carrey get a little acting redemption with this role as, as the same. man. So same, same, same. Uh, but yeah, note, your, your takeaway. You, you, I mean, where you think? I mean, if you have anything to add on to that, as far as their effect on pop culture, well, I mean, it's always going to be there. Video games are becoming more and more. I mean, they 
famously have already become bigger than movies when it comes to how much money they make and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's it's just a major part of people's entertainment today. Uh, I have my Xbox on constantly. Uh, I mean, if, even if I'm not playing a game on it, I'm using it to watch Netflix or whatever. Uh, so um, while I would be shocked if Sega brought out another console, I think they're kind of where they need to be, uh, as in a, just a help putting out some really, hopefully some good games. Uh, I do hope that like the, you know, they brought out not too long ago, the little mini uh, Sega Genesis I hope they do a little mini Dreamcast. I would be first in line for yes. that. I would love that. Yes. But I think they'll be around for a long time just because of their franchises, like Sonic especially. Uh long as Sonic is around, you're always going to remember Sega. Yeah, I, I think Nintendo's going to... Pre- Even if Sega had to close, I think they would... I think Nintendo would acquire them to keep that like yeah. name and, and those properties alive. I, I think Agreed. that would be that would probably be what happens. That's, that's how I think well that Sega has merged like that, like Sonic. I mean, again, Sega is Sonic. Sonic is Sega. Um, that Sonic has really like blended in with, with the rest of that company, you know, that, that company it's, it's, it's crazy to think that they were at each other's throats. What? Well, Jesus now 30 years ago. And man, I feel old now just saying that. <laughs> I feel horrible just saying that. But you know, now everything's kind of peachy good and, and they work together. It's uh it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But that does it, everybody, for our Sega episode. All right. Next month we are going back to athletes. All right. So athletes is gonna be our focus. A vastly different theme uh, from our video game or for our, it wasn't video games. It was companies month. We're going to talk about athletes uh, and Johnny has choice. Johnny actually gets two choices this upcoming month, but uh, of course the one that we're concerned about now is Johnny, what are you choosing for our next episode? I'm choosing uh, a professional wrestler, an entertainer, a movie star, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yes. Great guy. And just when you think you have all the answers, I'm going to change the questions. He is a great one. Probably one of my favorite legends of all time. Same. Um, Personally, I did get to shake his hand a couple years before he passed away. He was in a backstage at a wrestling show uh, that I was part of. And uh, I am excited. I'm glad you chose chose him. This is a great choice um, for these episodes. So, Ladies I'm glad that you liked him because you've told me stories of other legends you've met that were listening. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're not going to talk about those legends on this show, at least not dedicate an entire episode to them. Right. <laughs> but no, Rowdy, Rowdy Roddy Piper is, uh, is A-OK in my book, and I cannot wait to talk about him with you. Um, so, listeners, thank you so much, you know, for your support, as, as always. Um, you know, I can't thank you enough for what you, you know, do for this show. I have, this is just such a casually fun podcast that I get to do and just pop up whatever I'm feeling. Essentially, let's just go in to talk about it. That's one of my favorite aspects. And I'm glad that, you know, our listenership has been as reflected that what we're doing is, is, is good. So thank you for that. We'll talk to you next time in a couple of weeks to talk about Roddy, Roddy, Roddy Piper, uh, right here on Retropop. Talk to you soon. Sick up.